Hi, Stitchers. Welcome to Taltri's Talk, where we share conversations about Palestinian embroidery. Join me, Lena, and my co-host, Imani, as we chat with talented embroiderers and artists, sharing their stories, inspirations, and the cultural significance behind their work. Fellow listeners, grab your Taltri's project, thread your needle, press play, and let the stories unfold, one stitch at a time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tetri's Talk. I am Amani from Min Amani Designs, and I'm here with my co-host, Lena. You want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi, listeners. Welcome to the first full episode. We're super excited to have you guys here. Yay. Um, yeah, we are so excited to have everyone here. We're excited to kind of jump into this whole world and really see what this podcast becomes. Um, I think, you know, we are very excited to get to connect with more people in the Tatris community, um, to share Tatris stories, um, also just, you know, for you guys to have something to listen to while you stitch, because I know I need some good, uh, some good background while I stitch. So um, we're really excited to, to bring that all to you, to you all. Absolutely. And I'm hoping also that there are some new Teltris artists that come out of this op- uh, podcast as well. That would be a dream come true for all of us, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, reach out to us. Let us know if you guys have questions. Um, we love to answer. We love to like, connect with people in the Teltris world. Reach out to us. If you guys have um, your own Tetris journey stories that you want to share, please do. Um, we'll share our contact information at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, we want to hear from you all. I mean, we're doing this for the Tetris community. Um, we kind of nerd out on our own and have these conversations all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so we figured it would be uh, nice to record the conversations and share them with other stitchers. Absolutely. And so for today, you know, speaking of stories and individual connection to Tatris, we're here to tell you guys a little bit about our stories, just to give you a sense of who your co-hosts are on this podcast um, and get a sense of how we learned, how we got introduced to the art form, what it means to us um, and what we're hoping to see come out of it in the future. So super excited to kind of chat a little bit about our journeys. And then each episode afterwards will be somebody else's journey to basically jump right into while you're stitching. Yeah, so I mean, Lena and I, we actually met through Tetris. Um, so our journeys at one point uh, intertwined. But I know you, you started stitching when you were pretty young, right? And you didn't necessarily start with Palestinian uh, Tetris. Yeah, so for those who don't know already, I'm actually half Palestinian. The other half is Panamanian. So my mom is 100% Latina. And When I say Panamanian, she's not one of those Palestinians who immigrated to the Central America like someone I know here. Okay, I feel attacked. (laughs) No, not at all. But she is definitely not one of those. So she's like true, true, true Panamanian, born and raised. And, um, you know, Tatris, which means embroidery in Arabic, is uh, the actual techniques are pretty global. Like The idea of embroidery in general is pretty global, right? And so... I know, and this is from my own experience, that the, the the more popular form of embroidery that we see as that we think is taltris is actually the cross stitch. Mm-hmm. And this technique is, is a practice everywhere. And so my mom taught me the cross stitch when I was, I don't know, maybe like 12, I would say. I was definitely younger. Uh, and I, I remember vividly, like one of my first big projects was 
this um, this duck running around with a backpack on. And I made it, (laughs) I made it for my cousin's first birthday. That was the gift that I made for her. That's Uh, so cute. That makes (laughs) it even better. Yeah. Her mom, um, I have, her mom and I have the same hair. We both have really, really curly hair. And so growing up, you know, people would like mistake us as being like sisters or mom and daughter and, and it's because of our hair basically. And so her daughter was very special for me growing up and I was really excited to there's something very different about giving something that you make by hand, which we should yeah. talk about that in a future episode, but um, something really special about that. So yeah, so my mom taught me cross-stitch very, very young, and I was doing things that basically looked like different images, so ducks and um, like words, you know, someone's name with a date and some hearts around it, and then there are some really, really detailed uh, cross-stitch projects that you can do that take up so many different colors, and it's such a pain in the butt when you have to switch colors um, <laughs> a lot, which you don't necessarily do in Tultris, which is why I think I also just love it so much more. And um, and I actually didn't really make the connection that the cross-stitch was the exact same technique as all the Tultris items that we had in the house because yeah. we have we have had all these items for years and years. Like I think the pillows that we have on my parents' sofa is from the 90s and from Ramallah that when my parents went on a trip and we have things on the wall and of course like a thwab in the, in the family all has Tultris and I just never connected the dots and then about six, I think it's been six years, which is crazy. Time is flying. Six years ago, my mom found a class by Wafa Khanem from Tatris and T, who we will also have on the podcast. Yay, and Wafa. yes, and this was pre COVID. So the classes were in person. There was zero virtual component. That was not a thing back then. And my mom found the class in D.C., which we lived in the suburbs of Virginia. She's like, oh, what a great mother-daughter uh, activity. You know, we get to go do embroidery, and it can connect me to my heritage, the other half of my heritage. And then we get to this class, <laughs> and Wafa introduces me to the history and the significance of this art form, and I was completely mind-blown. And then we get into like the actual tutorial of the stitching. And I'm like, what? This is it? I've been doing this my whole life. Like I've been doing this (laughs) since I was 12. And then I became, that's when the obsession began. (laughs) I went home and I like noticed everything that was cross-stitched in the house that was also Palestinian. And I said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I ended up doing a series of projects. The first one I ended up framing. The second one I ended up making into a pillow. Um, And then I, I did my own, you know, historical journey through a thesis that I was doing as part of a master's program that I was enrolled in at the time and fell even more in love with just the entire evolution of this art form from our ancestors of centuries and centuries ago. And, um, and yeah, and then of course I undertook my thob, which was like a massive, massive project. <laughs> it was worth it. It's beautiful. If you guys haven't it seen worth- it, it's go to her Instagram, <laughs> Lena's thob. It's it's beautiful and it's even better in person believe it or not it was definitely worth it but yeah it was definitely some moments when I was doubting what the hell I was doing with this project (laughs) oh my goodness but yeah and then here we are I'm still obsessed still going and um and now I just want to bring that that I guess that light bulb moment that I had to the rest of the world and I hope this podcast can be a part of that and um yeah so Amani how did you learn tell us all Oh man, so I actually did not learn when I was younger. My my grandma Larhamha, she definitely like she was a stitcher. Um, but I wasn't really interested at the time. Um, when I was younger, um yeah. it just it didn't appeal to me at all. 
And um, when I honestly, it wasn't, I think it was like 2017 or 2018 is when I decided I was like, I want something like artsy and crafty that like can just be a hobby. And I honestly mm. really went into it like that. I was like, yeah. oh, I just want something fun to do. And like, oh, something Palestinian. That's cool. Um, at the time, my grandma was too old to teach me. My mom never learned. Um, yeah. So it wasn't something that she could teach me. Um, and it was pre-COVID. So no, like there was no virtual classes. And the only person was Wafat, actually. Yes, Wafat is like yes. a part of everyone's little yeah. journey. <laughs> um, but, you know, she was the only person doing classes at the time. And it was all in person. Um, and I had just moved back to California from um, New York a few years prior. So I was like, oh, I missed her. Um, and I actually, I think I did a deep dive. The only thing I could find online were YouTube videos from, um, Roba, who we both oh, know. Yes, um, yes. and she has a few YouTube videos, um, in Arabi, uh, and just very basic. Like this is what it is. Cause I wasn't even familiar with cross stitch. Yeah. So it didn't even think, I didn't even think, Oh, let me like, search for cross stitch and like learn the technique the basics exactly um, yeah. although i will say western cross stitch does not care about the back like <laughs> we do and we'll talk about that later <laughs> we'll talk about that in another episode <laughs> um but yeah so i watched her videos um and that's kind of how i started learning um and wow. at the time like there was no, like there were no patterns that you could find yeah, that there was yeah. nothing like I started collecting books because I think she had a video about all the different books and I started collecting mm -hmm. books um, and then Wafat came out with her book uh, and I got that and then I took my first class during COVID so I was already like two years into stitching by the time I took my first class um yeah. and then it just kind of flourished from there you know i haven't made my thobe yet it's on the list we it's coming about it. it's, it's coming, coming very soon it's i definitely think coming. we're gonna talk about it in an episode in 2024 i can feel yes it. oh yeah no for sure it's happening um but you know i really just i think i dove into the beauty of tetris mm. and like beautifying things with the threes yeah. um, that's what really like appealed to me and then I think what I didn't know when I first started the threes which is like become probably my favorite part um, and I know we talk about this a lot is the community that yes, comes yes. out of Tetris. I had no, like, like I said, I just like wanted to do something like, oh, I just want to do something fun and crafty, whatever. Um, and I didn't really think about, it. I didn't think about the history about it before I dove in. Yeah. I didn't think about, again, the community. I didn't think about the meaning. I was just like, oh, I just want to do something pretty. Um, and then the more and more I stitched, the more and more I learned, the more and more people I met, like you, Lena. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it really opened my eyes and my heart to, like, the true meaning of the threes. And yeah. I just, like, love the journey. It's been, it's been amazing. And I hope it just, like, continues. And, you know, I think to echo your sentiments, um, I do hope that more people become interested in Tetris as more information is out there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we we welcome everyone into the Tetris community. Um, yeah. We want to we want to connect with you and get to know you. Um, we want to learn from each other. We want to be inspired by each other um, and just you know positive vibes because God, we we need it. Absolutely, we really need it. 
Yeah, no, I 100%, 100% feel everything that you're saying, especially about the community piece. It's something that I didn't even know was going to come with the practice. Like I, I think I picked it up after her class and then I went, I mean, I was, that was pre-COVID. It was like right before mm-hmm. COVID and I started practicing on my own and like it helped, it, it gave me what I needed as an individual, but yeah, like in an individual setting and like my own space and my own time and like for my own very specific needs in terms of grappling with whatever I'm facing at work or, you know, at home and, um, you know, anything that maybe was causing me some sort of anxiety. Uh, But then COVID happened. And I think we should Mm -hmm. talk about it because COVID happened and made everything so much more accessible. Um, COVID made it possible for us to meet, for example, Mm -hmm. because all of us are all over the place. Like we're not all in like you know, historically, people were doing this in their village. They were doing yep. this with people that they saw and met with and were working with every single day. With their cousins. With their cousins, <laughs> with their family. Like, it was like family, right? And then we all in the diaspora got separated from each other. And we didn't even know that we were missing each other until this happened, right? And yep. that was like, I could never have foreseen the the community that we've built, the friendships that we've built. And just like the way that we can just be so natural in each other's presence. Um, and we're all kind of coming together and we're all practicing the same art form, but the relationships are, is really like, so there, there's like no, you can't, there's no value that you can put against that. It's just like really, really incredible. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I think it's, it's beautiful that we all are connected to through Tethris, like we have people in our Tethris community and our little Tethris family um, who aren't even Palestinian. Mm -hmm. And they still have this deep connection to Palestine, to Palestinian liberation, um, to Palestinians because of their love of Tethris. And I think we all have that in common, which makes it feel so natural. You know, we, like you said, we met during COVID, which we, we met during like a virtual circle um, during COVID. And funny enough, I don't know if I ever told you this, Lena, but I remembered it as you were saying about like all the projects that you were doing. I think it was, was it your pillow? Was your pillow your first like big sewing project? Pro- yeah. So yeah. I think it was that like got posted and I was following like the, the threes hashtag um, and I saw it and I was like, ooh, yes, queen. And I like <laughs> liked it. And I think I might've started following you after that. And yeah. then we met shortly after um, at a virtual circle. Um, But like just seeing your work, I was like, yes, I love this. And I was like, I want to follow this girl. Um, You know, like we didn't even know each other and we were already connected literally just through your art. Exactly, um, exactly. Which there is an appreciation. There's an appreciation that only comes when you do it by hand yourself. Like that type of... Oh my God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There is only appreciation when that, when you've done it with your hands. Because otherwise you just, you'll never understand. Truly, you'll never understand. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's... it's yeah. so true. It's it's crazy. Like when I tell people how long, because we know, if you know me, Lena knows, like I love an aggressively big piece. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. I love a dense And very detailed. Very <laughs> so detailed. detailed. I don't know what's wrong with me. But they take me forever. And when I take them to the framer and I tell him how long they take, yeah. and I'm a little nerd because I have a little app that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my stats. Yeah. And people yes. are like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, no, but it's so soothing. I swear. I love it. <laughs> 
That's amazing. And it's like such a special moment to go get it framed. I love, I love getting things framed because yeah. it's like you've literally, you created this masterpiece and you put it in. And honestly, like every single time, and it's not because like I'm amazing at this art. It's because the art is just so beautiful. And it's, yes. it's just like by itself, it's just beautiful. Every time I go to like a Michael's Framers or because I'm, you know, kind of cheap on that side. And it's just really expensive <laughs> to get any framing done in this country. It's ridiculous. Uh, um, I never will share we need how to, much we I need spend. To ha- we need to have a Tatris person start a framing business because that would be huge. And we can support a fellow Palestinian to do that for the, all the Tatris pieces that we're going to be doing. But I always, every time I go, they, everyone around who's walking stops to look and linger around the piece while they're like picking the frame and doing the sizing and everything. And it's always like, Oh, can I? Like, I remember there was actually two people who tried to buy it. They thought they could buy it from Michael's. I remember you told me that. Yeah. I remember. And the guy was like, uh, it's not Michael's, it's hers. And they're like, <laughs> oh, can I buy it? I'm like, no, I'm at the framers. Are you crazy? Yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely not, sir. It's yeah. funny because I was, so I went earlier in the year, I was in um, Copenhagen for work. And, um, you know, Scandinavian countries have um, a deep history of uh, a, a, a tradition of um, stitching and cross stitch. And mm. that was somewhere where I got so much attention and love for oh, my Tetris. Like, yeah. I spent a lot of time on a plane, obviously, um, <laughs> at the airport lounge, like chilling around. And I would had my project that I was working on, I would stitch and there was like so much appreciation for it, uh, which yeah, was really they know. nice. That's amazing. They know. They know. Yeah. yeah. I didn't um, realize that Scandinavian countries did a lot of cross stitch. Oh yeah, they do. Um, I actually, when I was there, I was trying to like bounce around to some embroidery stores, and unfortunately, the one that was like highly recommended was closed. Um, oh, the day I showed that's up. so yeah. sad. Yeah, I know. Was it like materials, cool. or was it like finished pieces, or materials? Yeah, it okay. was materials and stuff like that. Um, and honestly, okay, like Europe in general does this so well. I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's all Europe, but I went to when I was in Spain last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I now, this is a habit now. I look up like the top embroidery, like things 100%. in a country. <laughs> yeah. Same. And so I'm in, I'm in Madrid. Okay. And I Googled like the top embroidery shop and everyone was talking about this one spot in Madrid. And I go to the place and they have very specific hours. And I, I went towards the near the, like just after the opening time and there was a line, okay, out the door and around wow. the corner for this shop. And I was like, okay, forget it. I'm already late to this thing that I'm, like we had plans for something. We had like a tour or whatever. So I was like, okay, let me just come back later. So I come back later, like late at night, which Spain is like, I love Spain. It's just, we can talk about I that. Know. Yeah. I know. I love the late beautiful. night. Beautiful. Oh, so good. And um, I get back the other, like the, like the, 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 uh, during the night and the line is better, but I didn't realize that going to an embroidery store in Spain is an experience. It's not like you go in and you browse. No, it's like you go in and you find a person to help you and you have to tell them what you're looking for. And then they go and retrieve you like a bunch of options and then you can go and pay and they measure out the fabric for you. They measure out like, so I was like flustered. I thought it was going to be like a Michael's or Joanne's where I just walk yeah. around the aisles and like find things like, no, you need to be very specific about what you want but what's really fascinating is if you don't know what you want so like I was thinking I have a new project idea that I want to include lace in so I was like Mm -hmm. okay this is a great place to get lace let me just check it out so I told him I'm just looking for lace I don't know what kind he brought me this um this like uh 
cardboard thing that had like six very different types of lace. He asked me to pick one that I liked. So I did. And then he went and got this massive, massive book of like just pages and pages and pages of samples of lace. And I'm like, I'm just thinking like, why don't they do that in the US? (laughs) They don't have an appreciation for this space. This is the thing. Like imagine a Tultri store where you walk in and you have all the different types of fabrics for a thwab. You have all the different colors of DMC. You have all of like, you have all the designs, (laughs) you know, like if you want to like start exploring designs, maybe they have like samples of like the, the chess piece or Oh, just like, and then kits, you know, and separate designs that you can just purchase and like just flip through. And, and like, we really, we spent like, and they don't kick you out. You can stay as long as you want, but like, you have to work with this person. And Mm -hmm. so we spent like 30 minutes, 40 minutes just looking through this book. And, and it's like an experience. It's like part of the process of creating something beautiful is like taking your time and enjoying it. And, you know, ah, I just, I love it. I feel like that's lacking still in the Teltoys community, but I hope that it's something that comes about in the near future. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to need the name of that store. Um, <laughs> I'll find one it of my you. one of my friends lives in Madrid and I There you send go. Her on a mission. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Have her on have you on FaceTime. Make sure you can oh like load through and feel through it virtually. <laughs> She'll kill me, but it's fine. That's what friendship is. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you. So, how did you go from all right, I'm going to like explore Tetris and try it out and practice to I'm going to create my own tob. I'm going to design patterns. I'm going to be teaching. Like how did, how did we get to the obsession? The obsession, (laughs) see, I honestly, the obsession, I'm telling you, the obsession began like right after that class. When I got home and I noticed all the Tetris at home, the obsession just like took its own force and, took over me uh <laughs> i mean i t- I remember telling my parents like oh i'm gonna take on this pillow project i'm gonna get a sewing machine and they laughed at me they're like why are you going why like why do you want to do this right now and i'm like no like why not like this is so mm-hmm. cool i can recreate what we have in the house and then i did it and i was like oh sewing's not that bad like how how like <laughs> a pillow is not that big of a deal you know like a, a thobe is going to be a breeze like it's not, maybe i'll have to learn a few things here and there but like you know whatever youtube you know and um that was incorrect <laughs> the thobe is a lot more work than just doing yeah. a pillow and i did a very simple sewing uh like technique for the pillow like it was one that didn't require um, like changing, uh, like, like I, it was just a lot easier. I didn't have to do any like hand stitching to finish it up or anything. It was just the simplest pattern that I could find on YouTube. And the thobe was like, and the thobe, okay. The thing is with the thobe, it's such a, in the grand scheme of things in this, in the world of sewing, it's actually a pretty simple garment. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, doesn't have zippers. It doesn't have to be fitted in a certain place. It's, you know, it's just like one fabric that you're working with, maybe two, but like really it's not that complicated in the grand scheme of things, you know, there are like some people who are doing those crazy couture, you know, dresses and stuff like forget it. But this, it's actually not, it's a, it's a pretty good project for a beginner ish. Um, maybe not the full thing, but like, you know, most of it, I think the <laughs> sleeves are probably the trickiest, like the, you know, the connection to the, mm-hmm. to the, to the dress and stuff, but it's actually not that bad. So in that way, I think I was kind of blessed, you know, I was, I was kind of guided in that direction just organically and it worked out. But, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, like it, it all, you know, when I look back at my journey, it all makes sense now that I'm looking back at it. Um, 
and I don't think I could have done anything in, like in a different order. So I started with the smaller pieces, graduated to this very basic sewing project, then started thinking about the the thulb. And then I started thinking about, okay, how do I bring this to the rest of the world? Like I've all, now that I've experienced this and I feel like I have um, the knowledge, like at least to a certain extent, I feel like there's something here. And I think the thing that's driving me the, like through all of this is that there is this connection to Palestine, to Palestine that doesn't require the language, doesn't require physically being there, doesn't require, you know, this idea that you have to be full half and half, like not this half and half, you know, thing that I mm-hmm. am. And there's like no, I, I don't feel any sense of like identity crisis when I'm doing Tiltris. Like it feels yeah. so whole for me. And I think that's the reason I'm I'm still going is because the connection is so vividly clear in my in my soul in my heart and um, yeah I don't know I like what does Tiltris mean to you? Yeah I, no oh god I love that no I very much resonate with that. So for me, um, you know, you threw a little shade earlier, um, but <laughs> um, my family. Is- <laughs> it wasn't shade. I was just being nah, nah, clear. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> People who listen to this will under will sh- soon enough understand. I am a clown, and I'm always joking. Um, but no, so my family, my mom's family, um, they were displaced in '48 from El Kbab Ramle. Um, and then they were displaced again in 67 and they wound up permanently, um, relocating to Brazil. Um, and so my mom was born and raised in Brazil, uh, as were her siblings, um, until she came to, uh, San Francisco for college. And my father came, um, from, uh, the Arab world. He came, um, to San Francisco for college as well. Um, but growing up, you know, I never like to this day i actually haven't been to philistine um but i grew up in a (laughs) when people ask me if i'm palestinian my response is always i'm aggressively palestinian (laughs) um i grew up in an aggressively palestinian household (laughs) (laughs) for our listeners what does that mean (laughs) don't scare them too much but that means you cannot meet me or anyone in my family and not know we're Palestinian. We are very <laughs> yes. proud of our identity and we will yes. let you know from the jump. <laughs> um, like I like I talk to people about me being Palestinian as if it's like you should just already know that. Like that yeah. should be like an assumed <laughs> thing. Like they'll just meet me and I'm like anyways. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that I actually struggled with, which is why I resonate with, you know, you talk about um and we've talked about this as well about being half Palestinian, half Panamanian and sometimes not always feeling like Palestinian enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say if you have a drop of Palestinian blood, if you (laughs) feel that you are Palestinian, you are Palestinian. Yeah. Um, yeah, You know, but um, you know, for me, even though both of my parents were Palestinian, I actually got some people in the community who you know, gave me a lot of grief about not being Palestinian enough. Um, really? And yeah, I got, I got, you know, some grief about being too Brazilian. Um, and it wasn't really, if I'll be honest, it wasn't really on me. It was on my mom, you know, because my mom wasn't the typical, um, you know, Arab Palestinian Muslim mom. Um, but that was something, you know, when I was younger. And what it actually made me do is... 
want to um, hold on to my Palestinian identity even stronger. Mm. Um, and my grandmother, Alarhamha, she really, really, really ingrained my Palestinian identity in me. And like, you know, I always say like, she taught me the meaning of um, resistance through existence. Mm. Um, and that is something she spent most of her life in Brazil. You know, she yeah. she spent far more time in Brazil than she ever did living in Philistine. And she was Palestinian to her core. Um, yeah. And that's something she instilled in me. And, you know, like I said, when I kind of started stitching, it was really about, like, the beauty and the art of it. Um, and then it just became so much deeper. It became, you know, this connection to Philistine, a place that... I've never been to, but I have been to in my mm. heart and my soul. Yes, yes. And, you know, I always say, like, you know, sometimes I'm corny, guys. Uh, and I always say, like, each stitch is very much a connection to our ancestors. Um, you know, I feel like when we are stitching, it's kind of stitching back together our history mm -hmm. and our stories um, and that's just continues to draw me into Tetris. And I know we'll talk about this in future episodes, um, <clears throat> probably a few guests, but, um, and we talk about this a lot, but Tetris is also very much healing for me. Yeah. Um, yes. it is something that feels therapeutic at times. And sometimes I have a stressful job. I love my mm -hmm. job, but it's stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's nice to just, sit and stitch and there is yeah. something very therapeutic about the repetitive motion of your hands going in and out um there is something therapeutic about the geometricness of the patterns the repetitiveness of the patterns um that's very soothing for me yeah, so yeah it, it definitely connected me and honestly i think really i said this before but like the community is was the surprise for me that mm -hmm. really drew me in um and like and even beyond like our palestinian tetris community like i've been a part of like western cross stitch and embroidery communities and we've had some bumped in, bumped <laughs> in the road um with a certain group that is a little too zionist friendly um and quite frankly racist um but i've also just from individuals um they've been very supportive and positive even before you know the genocide um you know they were very these are people who clearly appreciate um, needlework and appreciate fiber arts and can really appreciate the culture and the history behind it yeah. um so yeah that's been it's been the, be the best part for me is the community and like building that out and you know just wanting to share that with everyone and I just yeah. I get excited when I meet people who are like, I just started my stitching journey. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. I love yes. that. Keep doing it. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And I think like one of the things that came out in that that I thought of as you were talking was um, like every stitch that we take is also a way for us to kind of be in Philistine without being in Philistine. Yes. In and I will say I have been to Palestine. Like the last time I went was in 2011. So I do remember my experience there. And inshallah, you go very, very soon. And inshallah, you go to a free Palestine. But I can already confirm and validate and 
just like I already know that when you set foot there, there is like this sense of being home that is very, very bizarre, especially because yeah. I wasn't, I also wasn't born. I didn't live in Palestine. I spent some years in the Khalij, but I didn't really, like I always knew I was a foreigner when I was living in like Kuwait and Saudi. And then one step, one step into Palestine and it's like, wait, these people look like me. They talk like my teta. They are familiar. We're like, they look like my family. And you just feel immediately at home. And I think the nice thing, the beauty of Tatriz is you get that feeling when you're doing the Tatriz. Like it's it's not the exact same, of course, <laughs> but it's as close as you can get without actually being in Palestine. And I think there's something so uniquely profound about Tatriz that other forms of art just can't offer for someone who has been disconnected from their community because of an occupier and because of ethnic cleansing and all of these things that are occurring um, in Palestine. And then the other thing that, you know, you're talking about in terms of healing is it's, it's so true. I wonder if there's a study done on this. Like um, there are, there is, I'm sure there's like so much research around art therapy, but I'm curious if people have evaluated like westernized cross-stitch versus tiltries and like mm-hmm. the differences in the practice and how that impacts the person practicing because as someone who has done both like after a while because tiltries is so repetitive and because the motifs are really familiar and they're all geometric and they they kind of just like just go very smoothly it's a lot of just over and over and over again you memorize right you memorize mm-hmm. the number of stitches that you need to do and so you no longer have to think and the other thing is what i love about tiltries i think this is why i got so um interested in it is you also don't have to change colors <laughs> change it i'm telling you those like there are some gorgeous gore i mean you've seen those pieces on those embroidery groups right yeah. like, they have some gorgeous things that are like you know looks like a real life poodle or something but they have to use a kajillion grays yeah. to make that happen and their and backs are a nightmare they're their disgusting backs are yeah they're <laughs> Sorry, friends. <laughs> but that's honestly, love you, in, but... you know, in their defense, in their defense, honestly, I don't think you can do it without having a messy back because you oh, have I to agree. go in and out with the thread Agreed. so much, right? Agreed. So, you know, no, not their no, fault. no shade. <laughs> no shade. When I throw but... shade, you'll know. <laughs> you'll make it vividly clear. 100%, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but no, really, like that, that repetitive nature, the same color, you don't have to change your thread all the time. Like there is something so like therapeutic about that practice. Yeah. And it just lets you like, there's always something with your hands. Like, even like I know that my husband loves baking, for example, and that just mm-hmm. puts him into a, like a Zen, you know, moment of Zen because you're using your hands, you're kneading the dough, you're stitching, you're using your hands. And it's also been something really, really important during the past couple months in particular, witnessing yes. what's happening in Gaza. Um, and the West Bank and and also just like what we witness at work. I mean, I don't know about you, Amani, but I'm not particularly inspired by the leadership in my day job. And I think there is, you know, Tal-Tariz has been a really great outlet for me to just take a step back and remember, like, they cannot remove our Palestinianness from us. Yeah. That is something that we own. It's something that we will continue to take and move forward with. And inshallah, we pass it on to our kids as well. And Tatris can be one tool to do that. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, send your kids to Khatul Amani. She will teach them how to tarris. <laughs> how to be aggressively Palestinian. Okay, <laughs> there needs to be a, you know, asterisk there. Must be okay with aggressively Palestinian outcomes. Listen, I taught my four-year-old nephew how to sing Dambi Palestinian. <laughs> 
So I'm just saying the program works. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. One thing I um I wanted to ask you too is like, you know, with your journey with your thul, right? I know mm. you did and we'll talk we'll do another episode where we really, really dive into this. Um, but I know storytelling um, through your thul mm. was an important part. And yeah. I know you got to that um, through your master's thesis. Uh, yeah. And you've interv- you interviewed a ton of people. You interviewed me. I did um, interview you. That was also, that was, you honestly, made me cry. Was, <laughs> did I really? I don't remember that. Yeah. No, not in a, like a bad, like not in a bad way, like emotional, like oh, okay. cry. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> okay, not, she did not bully me. <laughs> Lena is a sweetheart. I love her. (laughs) Oh, you know, that was actually one of the, you know, speaking, okay, speaking about community and just like that positive, surprising thing that came out of Tatris, that was the surprising thing that came out of those interviews because I felt like I actually developed such great relationships because for those who don't know, my thesis, it included like some background on the history and the evolution of the practice of Tatris, especially in Palestine. But the bulk of my thesis was around practicing Tatris in the diaspora and very specifically in the U.S. And so part of that included, I think it was 14 women who I was able to interview in the U.S. And this was before like Instagram was like that big in the Tatris world. Like it was just beginning, you know, like people were posting here and there. But now we have like incredible artists just doing these really cool reels. So many talented people. So and like interweaving with, you know, other art forms and stuff. That's my favorite. So good. So good. But yeah, so before all that, I was interviewing just these women. And I think this is part of what I love about this podcast is it's almost like an extension of that because I remember very, very clearly that I, every time I had one of those interviews, I was like, I would like take a moment after we would hang up and I'd be like, wow, this is so cool. This is just so, so cool because every single person had a story that they were telling through their tatris and I was just completely fascinated by by it completely. Like I think it's very different than it's very different than like hearing an interview on on a like on a, on a like on TV or something. It's because it's I don't know maybe it's because I practice it myself, but there's something like there's an immediate connection with that person and just hearing them talk so passionately about this thing that I completely understand why they're passionate about. You gave me so much joy and connected us on a on a very different level. But yeah, so I did all these interviews and I think one of the things that I basically, I don't know, I, I my thesis, I this was my like takeaway was that the the continuation of storytelling is still there with the di- within the diaspora was one of the takeaways that I had. And um it's because like I remember thinking like it was so fascinating to me that before 1948, women would the women who were stitching would wear the piece themselves. So there was not there was like not much of this purchasing a thobe from a different from a third party who then commissioned somebody else to make it happen. And um, back then, it was like the woman stitched it for herself. So she everything that she stitched, everything that was on that thobe was her. It was like her personality. It was her identity. It was her. Um, like life, it was her day to day experiences. It's like it was what she saw and her surroundings, and I thought that was so fascinating because you don't really hear that many stories of Palestinian women in pre nineteen forty eight. Like I feel like there's a lot more coverage of maybe men and even mm-hmm. Palestinian voices in general is pretty. I feel like there could be so much more, but women in particular, it's kind of hard. And also, like I feel like as Arab women, we're, we tend to be maybe on the private side and 
like these are stories and conversations that we have with people that we trust and that we care about and that these are like within our inner circle. And so for me as someone who, you know, I feel I was, I always felt like I was a little, a little bit on the outside. I don't feel that way anymore, but I used to feel that I was a little bit on the outside. I had a hard time accessing those stories. And so to hear it come from women, um, through this art form was really, really cool to me. And so that was the reason I put so much significance on creating this thulb and it was part of like the motivation behind it because I wanted to recreate that tradition of embedding not just me as a as someone who is part Palestinian, but as me and who I am as Lena, like all of me. I am also, you know, I'm also, you know, I've also had these experiences. I also have specific tastes. Like people who know me know that my color palette is very like fall <laughs> and I don't tend to go outside of that palette. <laughs> um, we should and- give people the behind the scenes of us trying to um, come to an agreement on a color palette. <laughs> yes. And for those who don't know, Amani also has, okay, thank you very much. She also has a very specific color palette. It is within the pinks, okay? Only pinks and monochrome. She's loud and bright. <laughs> and monochrome and monochrome. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But like, see, you don't see that much anymore because the, mm-hmm. the creator is separated from the yes. wearer, you know? And I, that's something that I think we are going to be reclaiming. I think it's happening as we speak. Like I think people are starting to reclaim this tradition of embedding not just your identity as a Palestinian, but your identity as an individual. And there's so much power in that because Palestinians are diverse. They are yes. fierce. They are strong. They are so many things that's okay not to like continue talking but like the other thing that I thought was so <laughs> remarkable is like how diverse we are like truly even like for those who don't know, Amani and I also hosted a retreat with another friend of ours, Bayan, who runs Bedan Collective. And this retreat, we didn't all know everyone, but one of us knew at least one other person. And I remember just like sitting at one of the sessions where we were stitching and just like looking at everybody and just thinking, wow, this group is so, so diverse. It's so incredible. Like career-wise, age-wise, experience-wise, like personality-wise, humor-wise, like all of these things are so, they're remarkable. And it's so important that we highlight the diversity in our, in our, in our community. I think it's so beautiful. Yeah, no, I agree. Like to that point and to what you were talking about, you know, joking about the different styles, but like, it's true. And that's why I always say, I'm like, there can never be enough Tatris artists. Mm -hmm. If you have a desire, please pick up your needle and thread because everyone does have a different perspective. Everyone does have a different style and different story to tell. You know, um, I sell patterns and kits and I have a specific style. Uh, we have our friend Bayan from Bedan Collective. She also sells kits. We have our friend Iman from Hint of the Threes, um, Wafat from the Threes and Tea. And we all have like different styles. Mm-hmm. And if you're obsessive like Lena and I, <laughs> um, you know, there's never enough the threes in like our life. Yeah. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, it's definitely different styles. And I think, too, like as you develop as an artist, you start developing. So like I didn't realize that like my style was going to be these like vibrant monochromatic. <laughs> you didn't know that. Like, you didn't know. No, I totally did not expect that to be my style, um, you know, and it just kind of evolved into that. And I think it's cool. Like, you know, I did not. It took a while for me to identify myself as an artist because I was like, well, you know, like I've sold pieces, but it was like for charity. And like, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have like patterns and stuff like that. I wasn't doing all of that yet. I was just stitching for myself. Um, and it took a while to like identify as an artist. And now I really embrace that. 
And I try to encourage other people. I'm like, you know, embrace that. Like, if you stitch, you are an artist. Like, you'll get to a point where you start creating your own things in your own style and your own way. But everyone can be an artist. And I think that's also something that's beautiful about Tetris. Um, You know, I think a lot of people... We'll, we'll talk about this in a different episode, too, about the <laughs> so devaluation. Many I know. Yeah. About the devaluation of Tetris. But I also, you know, I work in the beauty industry um, as my day job. And this gets talked about a lot. And I talk about this a lot of the devaluation of things that women enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, even like take outside Tetris, right? You talk about reality TV versus sports, right? And women get mocked um, for liking reality TV and it's a quote unquote guilty pleasure and all that. Mm. But it's okay that, you know, football is like serious. Sports are serious. And I say that as someone who likes sports. But, um, you know, I think that uh, art forms like embroidery, which were traditionally a woman's art, um, you know, gets devalued and doesn't get appreciated the way it should and definitely has not gotten appreciated as an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very, I'm very adamant about Tetris's art. Um, Absolutely. I'm very adamant about a lot of things, but that's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> you know, definitely um, Tetris is an art. And whether you create your own designs or you are stitching a pattern or a replica from a book or a picture, um, you are a Tetris artist. A hundred percent. And, you know, there's also like, even as like you and I are both, we now sell patterns, for example, Mm -hmm. but I love just not having to think about what pattern I'm going to make and just following somebody else's pattern. Oh, and there's something so like, that's like, that's a thing. Like you can be an artist and a practitioner and like, it can be also a hobby. It can be whatever you want it to be truly, Mm -hmm. but ultimately the output is always art. Because it's going to be something really, really beautiful, no matter whether you designed it yourself or you found it from someone else or you bought the pattern from, you know, an artist who's selling it and... And make sure you do buy the pattern from somebody who's selling it. Don't just try to copy it. Please (laughs) do. Please do. Because... I can go on my own rant about that. (laughs) (laughs) Another episode, another episode. (laughs) Oof, oof. I don't know if you want to hear that one. (laughs) No, but really, I think um, I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like the I feel like this podcast in particular, like its genesis, um, is is because the Tatris love is growing and growing and getting a lot more um, accessible, becoming more accessible and having farther reach. And I'm just really excited about what's to come. And uh, I'm just excited to have this conversation with you with other people as well, and just see where week takes us. And I'm exactly. I already have a feeling like we're gonna get some new ideas. We're gonna start oh, thinking yes. about new like launches. <laughs> I have I have a good feeling about all of it. <laughs> Definitely, and I mean, I selfishly was like, I want to do this podcast because. I want to meet dope that these artists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to connect with people from all over. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited to dive in and dive in with you, my Tetrisis. Um, and really, yeah, just see who we meet, like what stories we unfold. And, you know, we also want people like if you're listening to this, like share your stories with us. Um, let us know what you want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Let us know questions that you might have. Um, if there is somebody that you love that you think we should have as a guest, let us know. Uh, we have a long list of guests that um, we want to have on. Um, but there are so many people 
who are connected to Tetris in different ways. Um, and we're just excited to, to really connect with those people and have those conversations and bring the rest of you along. Yeah, 100%. Thank you guys so much for listening to Tetris Talk. This com- this finishes up our first episode, which is super exciting. Yay. Like Amani said, we want to hear about your Tetris journey, share your stories with us, or make whoever it is that you think we should interview share their story with us. You can email us at talk at gmail.com. Um, and we really look forward to having you on an upcoming episode. And please just don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform and be sure to leave a five-star review. You can follow me, Lena, at Lena Stolb and Amani at Minamani on Instagram. And make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram as well at Taltris Talk. Until we'll next talk time. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> 